here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Number 877-381-3811, Are they bringing the coronavirus charts back, Mr. Producer? Are people dying from a Delta virus, a variant? Does that mean Joe Biden's killing people and blood's on, blood on his hands? Isn't that what they did with Trump, I think? No, 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 because he's out there insisting that people get a vaccine. All right, this is what I'm not understanding. Was I vaccinated? Yes. And I have no problem with that. I've got no problem with it whatsoever. Here's my problem. People who first undermine the belief in vaccines are in the White House today. And they control the Democrat Party today. And they spent months trashing the idea of a vaccine under Donald Trump. Well, these are the Trump vaccines. They did enormous damage to the idea of vaccines. They raised serious question in the minds of people whether these vaccines are safe or not. And while they like to say it's these, uh, you know, white supremacists who support Trump who aren't getting vaccinated, actually, when you look at the percentage of a population... The, the largest percentage of people who are not getting vaccinated are African Americans. And the access is available. So I don't know why the mayors and the Democrat Party aren't taking any responsibility for this. And then, of course, they lash out and say, well, Facebook is responsible for killing people because it allows people to get on there who have disparate viewpoints, and we can't have that, not in the uh, America, not where we have free speech and so forth, we can't have that, no. And now they reverse that today, well, we didn't really mean Facebook. And now they're telling people who were vaccinated to wear masks, even if you're inside, which of course is counterintuitive and makes no sense, then why get vaccinated? You'll wear a mask anyway if you're inside, whether you're vaccinated or not, if that's the situation, right? So once again, we're reaching a point where there is no science, and yet we have agendas and we have 
positions being pushed that are trying to wrap themselves in science. And then, of course, there's cynicism out there, and rightly so, that we have these Democrats in these blue states who will use this as an opportunity to further attack our civil liberties and empower themselves. And Joe Biden has shown every indication of that. So it's much more complicated and difficult than people would have you believe that, well, just take vaccines. Okay, I took one. All right, now wear a mask inside. Why? Because we have the Delta variant. Well, then why am I taking a vaccine? So they don't even make any sense. And then they're threatening people. And then they're attacking their civil liberties. They're attacking their free speech rights. They're attacking their ability to post. They've put the shoulder on these social sites, which clearly they work together on. And Facebook got ticked off. I mean, you can't blame. You can't blame the Zuckerberg. He figures, look, I've been a great soldier to Biden and the Democrat Party. I helped deliver them votes. I washed money through these front groups. I mean, I've been banning and censoring and using the scarlet letter on anybody who disagrees with the Democrats and their government. And now Joe Biden turns on me. And, of course, Joe Biden walked it back today. Of course he did. Now, we have a montage and it's thanks to post-millennial website. I've heard this play today. But that's okay. It's our turn. And you haven't heard me talk about it. Well, we're not going to play that montage. That's for later. We have montages. But anyway, the point is, we played it last week, didn't we, Mr. Producer? Yes. The montage on the virus, though. The Democrats going on and on about Biden and Kamala Harris leading the pack. That they don't trust it. And now, you reap what you sow. You reap what you sow, and this is what they sowed, and now they're trying to flail around and blame everybody else. Joe Biden is already a failed president. He's already undermining every aspect of this republic. And like a good, uh, a good loser, he's uh, pointing in other directions, of course. Nicole Hannah-Jones. This is important. She's been all over television, all over the media. She got a Pulitzer Prize for pushing lies about our history. She got tenure at a university in North Carolina, where most people with her thin credentials and minimal period of uh, time, certainly in academia, uh, would not get tenure. She turned that into a race issue, so they turned around and gave her tenure, and she snubbed them and said, no, screw you. And I think she went to Howard or somewhere. Talk about privileged. She's privileged. And all she has done, as far as I'm concerned, is spread poison and lies and hate. But that's what they do over the New York Times, and they have a long history of doing this. She's on a podcast with a left-wing site called Vox, with a guy named Ezra Klein, who's another moron. But this is back in 2019, and it proves my point, which I'll get to in a minute. Nicole Hannah-Jones, whose 1619 project is being taught to children throughout this country, thanks to the New York Slimes, which hates this country. Hates this country. has more blood on its hands, figuratively, of course, than any other institution, or certainly as much as any other institution. As it promoted Stalin, as it covered up for Hitler, as it promoted Castro, you know, it's into that kind of stuff. 
So here's Nicole Hannah-Jones talking about Cuber under the communists. And why do I call it Cuber? Because the idiot from Vermont calls it Cuber. That would be Marxist Bernie Sanders. Cut 10, go. Is there, are there candidates right now or even just places that you think have a viable and sufficiently um, ambitious integration agenda? And if so, America, what, what you it? idiot, look around. Look around, you, you jerk. Anyway, go ahead. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> that, that laughs at a lot right there. Yeah. I mean, one, let me just, um, I, I, I'm definitely what an not arrogant, know nothing. She grunts, oh, that says everything we need to know. You know, that says something, says Ezra Klein. Another arrogant know-nothing. And by the way, hat tip National Pulse for this. Go ahead. On uh, race relations internationally. Um, and it's also hard to look at countries that didn't have, you know, large institutions of slavery and compare them to the United States. The answer is probably going to be surprising uh, that I'm going to give, which is if you want to see the most equal uh, multiracial, uh, it's not a democracy, (laughs) most equal multiracial country in our hemisphere, it would be Cuba. Cuba has the least inequality between black and white people. Let's stop there. We're going to continue, but see, she's an ignoramus. Ignoramus, Che Guevara, was a racist. He despised black Cubans, or black Latinos, period. And yet it always amazes me how many t-shirts people wear because they think he was down for the revolution. He was a psychopath. And he was in charge of the execution squads. And they executed, people say, between ten and 20,000 people you would have mothers come to him. He was such a psychotic. But you had mothers come to him, beg him not to shoot their children, 12, 13, 14-year-olds. And he'd tell them to look out the window as he would give the word for them to be executed. And he was a racist. He was a racist. And here you have a Pulitzer Prize-winning, phony historian who does not have historical credentials, that is, credentials to teach history, asked by this idiot Ezra Klein, and she picks Cuba. Cuba's the most equal country. Well, why not pick the late Pol Pot and uh, Cambodia? Why not pick UNA in North Korea? I mean, if that's where you're headed, go ahead. Uh, any place, really, in the hemisphere that's, uh, I mean, the Caribbean... Most of the Caribbean, it's it's hard to count because the white population in a lot of those countries is very, very small. Their countries... She's run. thought very hard about this. You know, how many whites are there, how many blacks, how many interracial, how many browns. Imagine living your life this way and getting paid an enormous amount of money to be a buffoon like this. And there's several who are. Delgado, Kendi... They didn't invent anything. They didn't create anything. They mishmash stuff together and push this hate America racist crap. Ooh, listen to that. I'd like her to speak at our event. Oh, look at him. Yeah, he should speak at our event. Oh, and that Delgado, she's a bruh, bruh. white fragility. Oh, I like that. Go ahead. 
folks, but in places that are truly um, at least biracial countries, Cuba actually has the least inequality. And that's largely due to socialism, which I'm sure no one wants to hear. What? Most of the Caribbean, it's hard to count because the white population, a lot of those countries, very, very small. They're countries run by black folks. But in places that are truly at least biracial countries, Cuba actually has, a, has the least inequality. That's largely due to socialism, which I'm sure nobody wants to hear. What she means is Marxism, because that's what she believes in, which is the whole point of my saying, American Marxism. She is pushing American Marxism, dressing it up as a whole racial issue, and she's not alone. Books, lesson plans, propaganda, on and on and on. And she's sure nobody wants to hear. Oh, I'd love to hear about it. I'd love to hear least inequality because these people are not really pushing for racial justice, quote unquote. They're pushing Marxism. Because the only way you see you can get equality is what they mean is an economic system that's full of crap. The only kind of equality that exists is equality in poverty and equality in inhumanity, where everybody's dragged down to the lowest common denominator because the state uses that as, as leverage for the people who are at the top. If you dare to speak out, you see you're undermining equality, you're undermining the system. You must be a racist, you must be anti-revolutionary. That's where her head is. And not her alone. That's where the collective heads of the people who run the National Education Association, American Federation for Teachers, that's where they are. That's where Antifa and Black Lives Matter, that's where they are. That's where many of these people are. I want to play this one more time without interruption. Go ahead, Mr. Producer. Is there, are there candidates right now, or even just places, that you think have a viable and sufficiently um, ambitious integration agenda. You notice how they always talk like they're actually smart. Ambitious diversity. Is there anything like that? And more, and they're basically stupid as can possibly be. Go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) That 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 says a lot. Oh, that. I mean, one. (laughs) Let me just. um, I'm definitely not an expert on uh, on anything relations internationally. and it's also hard to look at countries that didn't have, you know, a large institutions of slavery and compare them to the United States. The answer is probably... It's amazing. You know, Cuba is a slave island. It is a police state. And just listen to how moronic this woman is. I mean, this birthing person is. Go ahead. Surprising uh, that I'm going to give, which is if you want to see the most equal... That's enough. Shut up, you idiot. And give your Pulitzer Prize back. You and Walter Durante, the New York Slimes over there, what a joke. What a joke the Pulitzer Prize has become. You get the idiot prize. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. 
It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. talked about this a little last week but I want to put it in a different uh, in a different way the new lucrative government contractors are the race hustlers they're making a fortune pushing their Marxist racist ideology in school districts with states and of course, <laughs> excuse me, in the federal bureaucracy. Whether it's D'Angelo, Robin D'Angelo, whether it's Sky Kendi, but there's many of them. There's now an entire industry of race hustlers and Marxists who are making a fortune out of trashing America and dividing this country. That's the big story that needs to be covered. And there's a piece in the Washington Free Beacon talking about D'Angelo. On a weekly basis, she says, I speak to groups of mostly white people and give a presentation on whiteness and right fragility, she boasts. You have to visit the accountability page on her website to find out how much she gets paid to do this. She claims to earn an average fee of $14,000 per engagement. Now, that average fee is ridiculous because she might give it to a nonprofit group for nothing and another group for 50000 so that includes pro bono work as well as corporate gigs. That runs up to $30,000 at a rate of one every per week. That works out to three quarters of a million dollars in annual compensation on the speaking circuit alone. That's on top of the estimated $2 million in royalties she's pocketed thanks to the success of the book White Fragility. So she's a hustler. She's making a fortune while pushing this Marxist racist ideology. She's not alone. This uh, sort of backbencher professor can be the same thing. So this entire industry now, government contractors and beyond that, these uh, race hustlers. And, uh, and they're destroying our classrooms and, of course, our society. More when I come back. American Revolution starts here. The Mark Levin Show. Call in at 877-381-3811. This from Andrew Stiles, the free beacon. D'Angelo, who wrote that book, White Fragility, and is about as white as Joe Biden, by the way, knows her audience. She correctly condemned... I'm going to read to you what he says, but what's interesting is what she says basically regurgitates what Malcolm X said. So this isn't new thinking on her part. D'Angelo knows her audience. She correctly condemns white progressives for their brazen self-righteousness and their incessant woke signaling, which is almost entirely performative. 
White progressives, she writes, often treat diversity as a kind of consumer product that can be purchased and controlled. The people who bought White Fragility, even the ones who actually read it, are some of the worst offenders, she's implying. That's because good intentions play an especially prominent role in perpetuating white supremacy. She says involvement in anti-racism efforts can be stylish for white people, something cool that provides intense feelings and entertaining insights to be consumed in manageable doses. People become conversant with the terminology, but in practice the terms are almost meaningless. As the author makes clear, the road to enlightenment is not a manageable endeavor. It's a treacherous haul, a ceaseless burden, painful yet exciting. Malcolm X said, and I paraphrase, it's not the Republicans and the conservatives that trouble me. It's the white liberals. And she's picked up on that. And she's dressed it up. And has said in thousands and thousands of words in many chapters what Malcolm X said in one or two sentences. All that said, you can hear how sick her thinking is and her ideology is. Because you can never recover from this. And you're not viewing people as individual human beings. It's white this and white that. And of course her book is very popular as a result. Not amongst us. By the way, let me read from my book, not her book, American Marxism. And I touch on this point. I handed this book in, I guess now, four months ago. I say especially pernicious is the American Marxist control over a public school and college classrooms, with the full support and active role of the two national teachers' unions, the National Education Association and the American Federation of Teachers, where your children and grandchildren are being taught to hate our country and are brainwashed with racist propaganda. If this persists, it will most assuredly lead to the nation's downfall. As the Heritage Foundation reports, the dissemination of curricular content and instruction based on critical race theory in K-12 schools is second only in scope to the presence of critical race theory in post-secondary instruction where it originated. The spread within college and university-level syllabi and journal articles took place over the course of many decades throughout the 20th century, while the effects on K-12 schools in such areas as social studies, history, and civics have by comparison become visible more recently. Now, without your knowledge, let alone consent, districts around the country have integrated critical race theory into school curriculum. Again, I wrote this months and months ago. Both of the nation's largest teachers' unions support Black Lives Matter, the Black Lives Matter organization, with the National Education Association specifically calling for the use of Black Lives Matter curricular materials in K-12 schools. The curriculum is committed to ideas such as queer-affirming network, which of course has nothing to do with rigorous instructional content and promotes racially charged essays as open secrets in first-grade math, teaching about white supremacy and American currency. As of 2018, officials in at least 20 large school districts, including L.A. and Washington, D.C., were promoting Black Lives Matter curricular content and the organization's week of action. According to an Education Week survey in June 2020, 81% of teachers, principals, and district leaders support the Black Lives Matter movement. In fact, some school systems have applied action civics to teaching disruptive protests. And I quote, Moreover, the Marxist-based ideology has spread to private schools, including private religious schools. And I go on. 
This is the antidote, American Marxism, to the American Marxists. This is the undressing of this poisonous, cancerous movement in the country, several movements actually. And I want you to know, I don't have the exact number, but the book is flying off the shelves right now. Because people do want to be galvanized, they do want to rally, and they do want to save their country from these insidious and invidious Marxist movement ideologies. The Washington Beacon goes on, the Free Beacon, some stories that Delgado writes about personal anecdotes and confessions aren't meant to be as confessions, but they are just as revelatory and embarrassing, such as the time D'Angelo got into an argument about racism with a London cab driver who displayed a, quote, typical white lack of racial curiosity or humility about the limits of his knowledge. His worst offense, refusing to avail himself of her expertise, quote, He had the author of a New York Times best-selling book who was in town to do interviews for the BBC in the cab, and he did not ask a single question about my thoughts on the matter, she said. Isn't this amazing? Her thoughts on the matter, which typically are billed at about a rate of $233 a minute. But the London cabbie is not alone. Nice racism. That is the the add-on to her book, because she's trying to milk this for everything it's worth sold just 3,500 copies in its first week of publication and barely made the New York Times bestseller list. Barely made it. Robin, you got to up your game. you got to become even more of an unhinged buffoon. Nice racism, how progressive white people perpetuate racial harm. You see, ladies and gentlemen, in Robin D'Angelo's rather small cranium, Nobody can escape this. Not even her friends. Nobody can escape this. This goes on in perpetuity, like all revolutions do. Like all revolutions do. And how did she become such an expert on this subject? Well, she's not. And here's the irony. Ready for this? As you'll understand after reading the book, American Marxism. She has no basis to comment on this at all because she's white. She hasn't experienced. She hasn't experienced the the other, um, which is black or some interracial uh, color or something of the sort. She hasn't experienced it. So she's not qualified under any circumstances to project her opinions, her feelings, her views on anything. But you see, that's because it's about Marxism. It's not even really about race, as I keep saying. And this woman didn't, excuse me, this birthing person didn't invent anything. She's exploiting it. This guy, Kendi, who was a backbencher associate or assistant professor, he didn't invent anything either. The backbencher. But they're making a fortune off the capitalist system. I seriously wonder how many African Americans or other minorities read these books. How many how many minorities or people of color would read Robin D'Angelo's book, White Fragility? 
Probably a very small percentage, don't you think, Mr. Reducer? And how about this guy, Kendi? How many? Very small percentage. You know why? Because many people of color think this is BS too. It's BS too. This is an elitist, Marxist ideology pushing this movement and many movements in this country. Many movements in this country. That's what it is. So when people go to school boards and they protest what's going on, obviously raise the racial aspect of this, but you need to get in there and you need to explain in this book, American Marxism, which you should bring with you proudly, show it. You need to explain this is just another Marxist movement that uses race to try and destroy this country. And you're using our tax dollars, you're using our facilities, you're using our employees, teachers, and you, worst of all, you're using our children to advance this agenda. And don't tell me you're not teaching it when the NEA and the FTA said they're going to teach it whatever we think, that is, parents or taxpayers. Whatever we think. The American people hate the word Marx or Marxism. Which is why only the most virulent, out-of-the-closet Marxists use it. Most of them pretend otherwise. You need to have the courage to call it what it is. You need to have the courage to call it what it is. So we've hit Nicole Hannah-Jones, who praised Cuba as the most equal country in the Western Hemisphere. So you know what she is. Then you have Robin D'Angelo, who's trying to sell another book. Nice racism. Where she's trying to make the case that really nobody, not even her left-wing kook friends, can escape this. I want to thank all of you who went to all these wonderful retail stores and went online to Amazon and acquired your copies of American Marxism. And I'll tell you what thrills me. When you go to Amazon.com and there's about a thousand comments there, give or take, we have five stars. People are really, really, I won't say enjoying the book, are intrigued, learning, interested in what's in the book. That is very, very important if we are to spread the word like you Paul and Paulette Revere's out there. I think we can turn the corner. And all the comments on how the book is written, what's in the book, and the, the activism section of the book... It's, uh, it's very important that so many people see it this way. Now, now that I mention it, the kooks will go on Amazon and put negative stuff. If you got your book from Amazon and you like it, this is one of the ways you can communicate with your fellow patriots. It's not, the comment section isn't Facebook or Twitter, so you can actually leave a, a comment without interference. And if you agree this is a good way to communicate, communicate. And one of the things I talk about in the book is we have to communicate more. We need a network. This has to become a national movement. I'll be right back. By the way, I should have mentioned, if you have a copy of American Marxism and you think it's worthwhile, don't forget your kids and your grandkids. Don't forget your neighbors and your fellow co-workers, colleagues. They need to read it too. 
these race-based hustler books, American Marxism, in my view, the contents of it, let me put it that way, needs to be the most widely read of them all. Ideas actually do have consequences. Ideas actually do have consequences, and we need light bulbs going off on top of people's heads all over the country. All over the country. Regardless of somebody's background, regardless of somebody's race or creed or what have you, it's very, very important. Very, very important. All right, Mr. Producer, I do not have my call screen up. Do we have any callers yet that I, wanted to, that I should talk to? Yes. Greg, Corona, California, XM Satellite, Corona, California. Named after a beer, not a virus, I hope. Go right ahead. Hi, Coach Levin. How are you, my friend? I'm good, thank you. Uh, I'm going to get to the point, but I just wanted to say I'm in outside sales, and I drive around a little bit, and I get to hear you from 90 minutes to two hours before I, I see a customer. And at some point, when I ask them if they know who Mark Levin is, and they say yes, my closing ratio goes up to about 90%. Oh, geez, I'm so glad that, to help you. That works so well. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, uh, sir, I just I wanted to keep this with what you were talking about, but with all the distractions of CRT and Black Lives Matter and being mm-hmm. politically correct here and the, the stuff that we talk about every day, mm-hmm. I'm more than concerned. I'm, I'm worried that the nefarious countries like China and Russia and perhaps North Korea and Iran why wouldn't they make a move? They, they have their pulse on the American people. I've talked about this. I think when you're, when you're crumbling from within, it's very provocative. You're absolutely right. They, they look for opportunities. Yes. Yeah. Right. And so in the end, why would they wait for a 2024 election where a, a Trump or a Pompeii would get in there? For, you know, well, they start to be careful. You know, we still have a very powerful military and nuclear weapons. And so rather than just confront us that way, uh, they're doing other things. Like China right now is doing many other things. It's massively building up its military. Uh, it, is, it is building um, uh, ports and docks all over the world, including in our hemisphere, including in Africa and other parts of the world. It is slowly but surely making claim to islands and territorial waters that don't belong to it. It's making claims to airspace that doesn't belong to it. You have China and Russia now and Antarctica making claims to that area and putting military bases, building them there. You have killer satellites that can attack our grid. All of this is going on as uh, Joe Biden weakens the country from within, weakens the economy from within. I want to talk next hour very much about what's going on on the border here, that there's not 11 million illegal aliens in this country. It's closer to 35 million And now he wants to push amnesty. They want to push it through this omnibus spending bill. Uh, This this has all the telltale signs of an American Marxist type of of approach to things. He talks about democracy. He doesn't believe in democracy. He doesn't even believe in republicanism. But thank you for your call, my friend. You're right on, and I'm glad I can help you close some sales. If I can do that for anybody, you know, my best. Go get them, guys. All right, we've got a lot more to cover. Stick with us, and I'll be right back. He's here. He's here. 
now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, As they continue to destroy this country, amnesty, illegal immigration, all this sort of thing. We've talked about this. I mean, how can illegal immigration numbers be stuck at 11 to 12 million for the last 20 years, Mr. Producer? That's just another lie. And so Lionel Shriver over at the New York Post is all over this. Joe Biden wants amnesty, but U.S. tally of illegal immigrants is deeply flawed. Now, just so you know, ladies and gentlemen, the Democrat Party is trying to put amnesty and their voting agenda into the Budget Reconciliation Act. These people are totalitarians. They are trying to empower themselves, not the people. They don't give a damn about minorities. What have they done to give a damn about minorities, despite the votes that they get from minorities? Nothing effective. If you're black and you live in a poor city, you can't go to another school because they won't let you go to another school. If you're black and you live in a poor city, a bad neighborhood, and there aren't cops around, it's they who slashed the Democrats. The budget for the cops. And we can go on and on and on. Having indulged, he writes an unhealthy interest in human migration for decades, I've been intrigued by how the number of illegal immigrants that journalists cite as living in the United States never changes. For years on end, I've read that the population of America is undocumented, a euphemism that seems to upbraid the receiving country's bureaucrats for failing to issue its woefully overlooked residents the proper papers, is 11 million. Now, with the artificial precision that often attends these unverifiable figures, which drove their authority from sheer repetition, some journalists will quote the number as 11.3 million. Oh, there was a brief period about 15 years ago when the standard statistic rose to 13 million. But then it popped right back down to 11 million again, without any headlines about a stampede of 2 million suddenly plowing over the Mexican border into the southern direction. But how do our well-informed correspondents know how many immigrants live illegally in the United States? That 11.3 million figure originates from the Census Bureau Annual American Community Survey. But these are the very residents notoriously averse to responding to census inquiries, regardless of assurances that being counted won't lead to an unwelcome knock on the door from the cold-hearted immigration heavies at ICE. So-called irregular migrants have a vested interest in remaining invisible. Should you ask a crowd of such people, who's not supposed to be here? Funnily enough, nobody's likely to raise his hand. A trio of academics affiliated with MIT and Yale University set about trying to actually reproduce that off-quoted statistic by other means. Their results were published in 2018, 
employing a range of operational stats such as deportations and visa overstays and other demographic data such as death rates and immigration rates from 1990 to 2016, they first fed their computer model the most conservative assumptions possible. As the study's authors anticipated arriving at a number well below that eternally unchanging 11.3 million, confirmation bias alone would have helped produce a lowball estimate, right? Instead, even with all the inputs rigged at improbably low levels, the model still generated a population of illegal immigrants in the United States at 16.7 million, 50% higher. The modelers were astonished. As an on-again, off-again New Yorker, I'm not, he writes. Yet the full range of their model's outputs is more astonishing still, accepting, unlike most journalists, that their data contained a large degree of uncertainty. The authors ran their model with a variety of credible inputs literally a million times. The results within a 95% probability lay between 16 million and 29 million, with 22.1 million as the mean, or twice as many illegal immigrants as the Census Bureau figures imply. Now, mind you, that Yale-MIT model produced half a million results in excess of 22.1 million, with a multitude spitting out estimates in the vicinity of 35 million or more. That would be more than 10% of the total American population, which experientially sounds about right, doesn't it, folks? Yes, it does. 11.3 million is a joke. 20 million is a joke. It's more likely over 30 million illegal aliens in this country. Now, they want to push amnesty through their budget reconciliation bill. And let me explain to you how, how rogue the Democrats are right now. These are reconciliation bills. These are budget bills. The purpose of reconciliation, as we've discussed here before, was to make it possible to fund the government even when the parties or both houses were at loggerheads. So the filibuster couldn't be used for that purpose alone, for funding the government. And so they agreed to a reconciliation process, did the Senate and the House, an internal process. And they voted on it and they adopted it. And so after all the rigmarole of committee hearings, of which we get almost none, subcommittee, then full committee, and markups, and back and forth between the House and the Senate. When push comes to shove, they have a committee set up that handles reconciliation of the House and the Senate, and then they present this budget, this spending bill, to the House and the Senate to vote on. So what the Democrats have decided to do is use it as some massive omnibus bill, where they can actually add things into the bill that have nothing to do with spending and everything to do with changing America. So why not allow up to 35 million illegal aliens in this country citizenship? So why not put their changes in the voting system in the spending bill if they think they can get away with it? Because all it takes, according to the parliamentarian of the Senate, somehow she came up with the figure that they can do this three times and this is the last time, that the filibuster wouldn't apply to any of that. So on their own, the voting issue... The amnesty issue, the filibuster would apply. But by trying to put it in the reconciliation budget spending bill, it wouldn't apply. Got it? With me, Mr. Producer? I hope I'm making some sense. So by sleight of hand and utter dishonesty and corruption, 
they want to change America. They want to make permanent the Democrat Party as a majority party through this voting scheme. And they also want to change the citizenry in the country so they can have more and more Democrat votes. I've told you over and over again, have I not? That if these were Republicans coming across the border, that is future Republicans voting two-thirds Republican, they wouldn't let them in? Isn't that exactly what they're doing to the Cuban refugees? Or would-be refugees? They will not let them in. Do you know if you are a private, well, if you're a citizen and you use your own boat, and you go out there off the coast of Cuba in international waters, and if there are Cubans trying to come to the United States in shark-infested waters, and you bring them into your boat and bring them into a port in the United States, you will be criminally arrested? Now, if you come over the, the land mass through the southern border, and if you're from a country other than Cuba, you're going to be welcome here, and you're not going to be deported. And you'll be able to receive, depending on what state you're in, all kinds of benefits. And you'll get a court date to show up in front of an administrative law judge, and 95, I think it's 98% of the people who are supposed to do not. And then you know there'll be a cycle, 5, 10 years, people will be saying, well, they've been here forever, no fault of their own, give them citizenship. And this is the cycle we've been on now for 40 years. But what's different now is that Biden and the American Marxists have an agenda. And that is, the cloud and pivot agenda, it's all in American Marxism, and that is to massively overload the system, to break the back of the system, to dispirit the men and women at the Border Patrol and ICE, to prevent them from doing their jobs, bringing these people into the country, overwhelming the system, eventually making them citizens so they can vote, And meanwhile, you blame your opponents for it, like Donald Trump. Meanwhile, you blame your opponents for it. There's a reason all of this is being done. It's not by happenstance. It's not by coincidence. It is being done because they believe in this. Power. Power. Allegiance to the Democrat Party, not the country. If you believed in the country, if you believed in sovereignty, you wouldn't be doing this. Now, I was watching... I guess it was the History Channel late last night, on, and then about World War II and the various automobile companies, how they were contributing to the war with tanks and jeeps and other things. And uh, even before that, how they were showing how the uh, automobile developed over time and the competition between the various auto companies, and some were gobbled up by others and so forth. And I was thinking to myself, then, what goes through the government today as policy, even without the consent of the people, the complete undoing of citizenry in our country, the complete undoing of citizenry, understand how serious this is. The citizen, the reason we have this government, the reason we go and vote is so the citizen is protected, so the citizens will is at least informing government policy. We now have a government, we now have a Democrat party and a media and their other surrogates that do not accept this. They want to change the citizenry. Now you have a majority white country. And what's interesting about the Democrat party and the American Marxists is they attack it. 
They don't attack it because most whites are racist. They don't attack it because most whites are supremacist. This is their, la- this is their propaganda. This is their narrative. They attack it because they fundamentally want to alter the country. They're the ones who keep bringing up whiteness. They're the ones who keep bringing up race. And so we're trying to respond to it and trying to understand what they're doing. And it's all too clear. And then you have this lat-crit movement that nobody talks about. Not on cable TV, not on radio. It's in American Marxism. The borders are open for two reasons. For two reasons. The borders are open today. One which we've talked about way back since 12 and a half years ago in Liberty and Tyranny. To change the demographics. It's just the way it is. It's not, don't, don't attack me, left-wing media. That's what the Democrats are doing. And you damn well know it. But number two. Because of the lack crit movement that grows out of critical theory. That intersects with critical race theory. Again, the only place you're going to see this is in my book. And why? Because the ideology is... That if you're an American citizen, and if you're not a Latino American citizen, or if you're not of slaves and a black American citizen, that the whole notion of American citizenship is bogus. The whole notion of the United States is bogus. This is a fraudulent country that was imposed on the indigenous people of the Americas by white Protestant Europeans. That's what they say. That's their argument. So it's impossible to have illegal immigration. When people are pouring over the border, this is their home. This is their their territory. They have every right to be here. You, the American citizen, you're the illegal alien. Now, if you're a black person, if you're Hispanic, Latino, and you say, wait a minute, that's so stupid, that's radical, I'm not buying off of that, then they say of you, you're part of the white dominant society. You've been conquered. Your mind has been conquered. You're part of this colonial movement. You've been poisoned. And so they say, you're no better. You're a contributor to the white dominant society. You're dismissed. Because you're not allowed to have a different opinion. Why? Because that's based in Marxism too. We're not about free speech or competition of ideas or debate or anything of the sort. So that's the two reasons the border is open. Biden has surrounded himself with these lat-crit movement radicals. And the Democrat Party and Biden won a permanent majority. And they have laid out a plan that by destroying separation of powers, by destroying checks and balances, by destroying and nationalize the voting system, by having the borders wide open, they will change the citizenry, they will change the nature of the demographics, they will change... What voting means, they will change federalism into nationalism. It's all laid out in the book. And that is exactly what they're doing. This is why you need to be the Paul Revere's. There are people in this country that voted Democrat who have no idea what's going on. Many who do, but many who don't. And This is why you need to be the Paul Revere's. This is why you need to embrace the activism chapter, the last chapter. And contribute your own ideas. This is why you need to be an active citizen. This is why you need to think about Thomas Paine and his pamphlets. You need to think about the early colonists. You need to put your mindset into this. And not just say we're overwhelmed, woe is me. You have a family. 
You have children, you have grandchildren, or you hope to have children and grandchildren. And even if you don't, it is our obligation, this generation, to make sure the next generation and the generation after that are protected. That they have the freedoms that we and other generations enjoy. That they have the constitutional protections like the Bill of Rights that we enjoy. They need to enjoy them too. You can already see how this is unraveling. Whether it's texts, whether it's monitoring social media, whether it's the use of oligarchs to shut down contrary opinions, including the leader and the former president, Joe ba- uh, 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 Donald Trump of the Republican Party. This is unimaginable. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Now, the silent majority is awakening. It is awakening. You know, I don't look at American Marxism as so much a book as I do a a plan, cause of action. It's in the nature of the old pamphlets, even though it's thicker, of course, because times have changed. If you wonder how a pamphlet, American Crisis, written by Thomas Paine and I believe it was December 17th, give or take, but read, but read by George Washington to his troops, 1,800 left, regular army and militia, and many of them wanted to leave. And there it is, the night, Christmas night. And George Washington orders it read to his soldiers. The next day, the Battle of Trenton, our first victory, turns the war around. And psychologically, in every respect, message gets through the entire country, from one village to the next, one town to the next. I believe, given the corrupt nature of the mass media, the corrupt nature of big tech, ladies and gentlemen, I believe this is the way we have to go. Back to basics. This is... I think the pamphlet, it's a book of course, but the pamphlet that can help make a difference. I'll be right back. Mark Levin, the cure for the common liberal. Talk to Mark now at 877-381-3811. You know, we have so many great patriots out there. I just got a video sent to me, Mr. Producer, and America, of a Barnes & Noble in a wonderful town in the south, in Tennessee. I won't get any more specific. And a very lovely young lady who's at the counter behind the register. Um, She's asked, where are the, uh, the books on American Marxism? And they have their computer, and she's looking it up on her computer in the store. And she said, we sold out. Would you like me to order one? I would encourage the folks in Barnes & Noble, and I'm a big fan of Barnes & Noble. It's one of the last of the big uh, retailers out there for books. You've got a lot of books. You've got to make sure all the outlets are, are getting them. In other words, that you're restocking quickly. Uh, We had this problem with liberty and tyranny some time ago, 12 and a half years ago. It's important for retailers, if you want to keep up with these online sales at Amazon.com and these other places, 
you have to be convenient. So if somebody comes in, the book needs to be there. It's the number one book in America. There's no reason it wouldn't be there. I'm sure if it was Michelle Obama, Barack Obama, it would be there. Again, I'm not putting them down in any respect. But you're in the business of selling books. I'm in the business of pushing a mission. And in order to push this mission, you need to have the books available, or I have to keep telling people to go to Amazon.com, where there's no delay. I think it's one day or two days you get it, and it shows up at your doorstop. So it's important that the retailers stock up and put the book at the front. Forget about the three crap books attacking Trump. They, they have no legs, and people are sick of it. People are sick of it. Sick of it. They're worried about their country. As are we. I want to thank all the wonderful radio hosts, all my buddies, throughout the country for having me on their show today, and last week, and tomorrow. I wonder, what's that little freak's name at the Washington Post again? Oh, Jeremy Barr. Jeremy, you want a list of all my friends at Fox? You want a list of all my friends in the radio business, Jeremy? Come on now. Now, Jeremy, folks, I've, I, he, he's a sort of, he looks like a pimpled-faced pervert. And, of course, he's not a pervert. Nobody said he was. I certainly wouldn't accuse him of that, Mr. Producer. I don't even know the guy. I'm just saying what he looks like to me. Luckily, he's not wearing a raincoat if you get my drift. But that said... He's the former Hollywood reporter, Washington Compost media guy, Jeremy Barr. Now, it appears that everybody in the media named Jeremy is a putz. I can't explain it. Who's the other one? I don't remember. Another Jeremy. I think he's with the New York Slimes. Doesn't matter. The Jeremys of the world unite. I actually don't. So Jeremy's out there. I'm sure he's uh, listening or he's getting information from this host or that host and trying to make stories where no story exists. Guy tried to do a hit on me a few weeks ago. It was actually a pretty good article, I thought. Didn't you, Mr. Producer? They ran it on July 4th because they were so embarrassed by Jeremy. I said, oh, my God. We have to run this thing. The idiot spent five days on it. What else can we do? We've got we to run the thing. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, Jeremy's... Uh, He's very happy. Next thing, he'll be working for the Holocaust-denying, Castro-supporting, Stalin-supporting New York Times. And he'll consider that really a step up. That'll be a step up. They, they view the New York slimes as the, uh, as, the, as the top levels, the gold standard. And they would, of course. Of course they would. There's so much to get to here. I, I wanna, I'm so proud of so many patriots in this country. I'm going to give you a perfect example. You want to hear this? This is from the Just the News, which is an outstanding site, John Solomon's site. In Virginia, backlash against critical race theory spreading in both rural and suburban regions. Like, oh, what's this? CRT claims that essentially every major institution in America is tainted by and works to promote racism against non-white people. Interest in and criticism of the theory has reached a fever pitch. It's being pushed throughout our elementary, middle, and high schools. Uh, let's see here. We have Loudoun County, what's been going on there, as you know. We have uh, Ned Ryan, a good patriot, great patriot in Virginia, the founder of the Conservative Training Institute, American Majority, 
mounting a campaign in Loudoun County to recall members of the school. But this is all good. But there's something else going on. You know what else is going on? School boards in Virginia, in the outer suburbs and in rural areas, are saying to the State Board of Education of Virginia, controlled by the Marxist Democrats, uh, we don't care about your directives, about teaching critical race theory and transgenderism and all the rest. We're not going to do it. Hey! We're not going to do it. I have a name for this if they want to use it. We are sanctuary school systems. Sanctuaries for sanity. And in our sanctuary school districts, we are not going to teach our children how to be racist and to hate each other and to hate themselves. And we are not going to teach our elementary school children about transgenderism. We're not going to do it. Now, what are you going to do about it? That's the way to do it, ladies and gentlemen. If you're a school board in one of these areas and you have a majority of sane human beings on your school board, these movements aren't civil rights movements. These movements aren't civil rights movements. What a joke. And so this is a great thing. This is just a little bit of what can be done. You have a majority of school board members who reject this and say, sorry, we are a sanctuary school district for sanity. We believe in diversity. We believe in equality. We believe in individuality. We believe in merit. We're not going to teach our children racism. We're not going to teach our children Marxism. We're not going to teach our children transgenderism. We're not going to teach them lacrit and why open borders is a good idea. We're going to teach them really good stuff like we used to, to love their country, to respect the flag and the national anthem, real history, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Not the ugly, the ugly, the ugly, and the lies, the lies, the lies, and the lies. That ain't happening here. Oh, and if you uh, teachers union members don't like it, then you can resign. And if you defy us, you'll be fired. Oh, yeah. This can be done and it shall be done. So I want to salute these school districts, some of these school districts in the Commonwealth of Virginia that are saying, no, we're not doing this. It's a backlash. And there's many other things we can do to undermine these movements, to confront them, to push them back, and in many cases, defeat them in your communities. As I explain in the book, this is very important. And uh, this, this ideological attack, these various Marxist movements spawned from Marxism, Americanized and, and, and customized for our system, so to speak, they're top-down. They're coming out of universities, they're coming out of media, they're coming from uh, phony authors pushing fraudulent, racist ideologies. You don't have to put up with this. You pay for everything. I'll be right back. Let us take some calls. Let us go to Kim Cleveland, Ohio, on the Mark Levin app. How are you, Kim? I am excellent, and how are you today? I am very well, Kim. And you're a professor, so I should call you Professor Kim. I am. Thank you. 
You got I uh, teach at a very large university in the Midwest, and I wanted to thank you for the time you spent writing a book. I have to write journal publications every now and then, and it is exhausting just writing 20, 30 pages. I can't even imagine what you went through writing the book. I went out to, took my niece out to Barnes & Noble this weekend to get a copy. I'm pretty sure if I leave it on my desk, I might get fired. But uh, Isn't that amazing, um, a free country, supposedly? It yep. is terrifying. It is terrifying. I stand alone in the department. I am teaching uh, cross departments, so I teach some with the teacher education program, and I teach math and science education. Well, are you teaching people to be teachers? I am. And that is one of the worst areas right now of indoctrination in all universities and colleges now. I live in it. You live in it. Mm -hmm. It is extremely difficult to try to develop activities for these young soon-to-be teachers that are, you know, relevant to student lives, but not directly, you know, some sort of social agenda Mm -hmm. or some sort of political agenda to it. I stand alone in my department and not wanting to somehow politicize a lesson. So it's become very, very inflamed right now in our... I mean, mean, isn't this what they do in totalitarian regimes, seriously? There's no academic freedom to speak of, really, is there? There is not. You're absolutely right. There is no freedom in just even at the professor level, let alone in a classroom. It's all the illusion of some sort of a choice for students. I'm going to sit and participate and I'll get a passing grade, or I'm going to raise questions that could be inflammatory to the teacher and risk failing. So there really is very little open ideology and discussion in an area that, you know, boasts of being able to be open in dialogue and discussion that we should Mm -hmm. be questioning. It's the Socratic method. One should challenge and discuss, but you're not allowed. You're not allowed. It's been replaced with the conformity method. You either comply or you're out. Well, I wish you all the best. This is a really horrible thing. They have uh, poisoned our educational system. Academic freedom is is very rare. Uh, Free speech now on campus is very, very rare. Uh, it's, It's ideological. And uh, but I want to thank you for your efforts, Kim. You you hang in there. I mean, I, I hear this from people offline all the time. What's going on out there is unbelievable. Now, what do we do about this, folks? That was Cleveland, Ohio. They have a Republican House, a Republican State Senate, and a Republican governor. They have a Republican Attorney General. Now, should they do something about this? Shouldn't you start? clawing back funding for these colleges and universities? Shouldn't there be significant oversight about academic freedom, how faculty is hired, how these contracts are entered into, an examination of tenure, an examination of what the kids are learning, if they're succeeding at the basics so so they're not getting ripped off with these confiscatory tuition fees? There's so much that can be done, particularly with the Republican legislature. There's so much can be done by you with Freedom of Information Act filings, getting information, trying to find out and answer those very questions I asked. Also, there's, there's a whole school of thought, it's certainly in my head, between my two ears, that if your kids have signed up to be taught science and math and they want to learn something that they can use in the future and so forth, and they're being uh, brainwashed 
with radical, racist, Marxist propaganda, it seems to me you have a right to get your money back. And that should be a movement too. Taxpayers want their money back. Parents who contribute to tuition, if they do, they want their money back. Students, if they pay their own way, they should get their money back. Time to go on offense. How is it that these people get away with this? And I have more ideas in the book too. They shouldn't get away with this. Look at the classrooms. In elementary and secondary schools, your kids being taught racism? That there's something wrong with them because they happen to be born a particular color? Now, there have been some brilliant lawsuits filed under the 14th Amendment, and I expand on that in the book. We have equal protection in this country. You can't force people to go to these schools and then force them to be indoctrinated and force them to learn and regurgitate lessons by the state, by the government. That is, these teachers and their unions, paid for by you, the government, through the government, shouldn't be forced to practice racism, to be brainwashed into racism and inequality. No. Time to go on offense. Well, Mark, I'm not a lawyer. I know, but there's a lot of lawyer groups out there that can help you. Maybe a community activist, Lori Hooker. There's lots of things we can do. I'll be right back. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, There is a reason why you despise the media. They deserve it. From decade to decade, they deserve it. What a disaster. And there's a reason why you despise Joe Biden and his mouthpiece, Jen Psaki. Let me remind you. At the White House briefing today, Jen Psaki on the vaccine, on the vaccine, or shall I say vaccines, all developed at the behest of the Trump administration, and because Donald Trump took the whip out and said, let's get going. And that's why Fauci hates his guts. And then Fauci takes credit. Pretty funny, the little fellow, isn't he? No, not really. Cut 16, go! Even if the administration doesn't partner with the former president, would it consider highlighting or acknowledging in a greater way his role in creating the vaccines to assure the rural voters who still support President Trump but are hesitant to get the vaccine? Okay, so they're saying, hey, look, you heard him. I don't know who this guy is, but okay. Why don't you use President Trump, invite him, embrace what he's done, give him some credit, and then maybe some of the people you say you're trying to reach... Uh, he'll be able to persuade them. Go ahead. Do you have data to suggest that that's the issue that's preventing people from getting vaccinated? Do you have data? That's a reporter, you idiot. Do you have data to suggest that there is the issue that's preventing people from getting vaccinated? No. You and your creepy boss and his creepy running mate said over and over and over again 
that because these vaccines, if they were created during the Trump administration, you wouldn't trust them. You have some responsibility for this. To quote Joe Biden when he was in his basement, slobbering all over himself, trying to tie his shoes when he was wearing loafers, to quote Joe Biden, Joe Biden, look how many people you've killed. Look how many people you're killing. Because of what you said early on. You have blood on your hands. This is what you said about Trump. It's you, Joe. Look how many people have died since you've been president of the United States. And by the way, I would expand that to the pandemic in our cities called murder. And keep in mind, and we've talked about this before, all the illegal immigrants, by record numbers, hundreds and hundreds of thousands at the border. It's going to be the biggest year for illegal aliens in the history of the United States of America. Yay! And uh, how many of them have the virus? You have to be a buffoon, not to think many, coming out of asshole cultures that you're trying to escape, desperately trying to escape, excuse me, the greatest cultures on the face of the earth are trying to escape, Mr. B- look, when you look at the Democrat Party and the ideology of the American Marxists, of course it doesn't make any sense. On the one hand, they say, come. They're trying to escape poverty. They're trying to escape criminality. We're a welcoming country. We're a nation of immigrants. Come. American citizens, have you been vaccinated? Well, I want to think it. You're killing people. Foreigners, come. Well, how do we know if they have the coronavirus? Doesn't matter. Just come. Send us your MS-13. Send us your diseases. We're not checking for anything. Send us, send us, send us. We have no serious way of figuring anything out. We have the Claret and Piven method in place. People just pouring into the country, overwhelming the system. Now, you see, the Democrat Party and their surrogates could give a damn if any of them have a virus as a condition of not coming into the country, but you damn well better get vaccinated. Oh. And by the way, we don't want all people of color coming into this country. No, just people of color who we hope will vote Democrat one day. If you're a person of color, say, from Cuba or Venezuela, and I use the dialect of, of course, the Marxist Bernie Sanders of Vermonter, If you're one of them, we'd rather you not come. As a matter of fact, we're going to stop you from coming. Don't come across the ocean because we're going to turn you back, right back into these shark-infested waters. On the other hand, if you come from other parts of Central and South America, our arms are wide open. See, it's only certain people of color they care about. Ask Clarence Thomas. Ask so many black, brilliant conservatives in this country how they're treated by the white supremacists in the Democrat Party. Ask them. Anyway, you'll say, wait a minute, this is all country. Of course it is. Vaccine rhetoric. Take the damn vaccine. Under Trump, ah, I don't think so. I don't trust it. No, today, take the damn vaccine. What else? If you've had the vaccine, it doesn't mean you're safe. Then why am I taking Because I told you to. Now take it and wear a mask. And wear a mask inside. Uh, what? Then why did I get vaccinated? Just in case. What about my children? You can't go to school unless you wear a mask. But children are not, it doesn't matter. 
Now, this is what they call science in the federal government. Now, by the way, if you disagree, you better not post on Facebook or anywhere else. You'll get the scarlet letter. You'll get the scarlet letter. All right, ding that guy, ding that guy, ding that guy. And Biden to Zuckerberg, you're not dinging fast enough. You're contributing to killing people because you're a lot. How dare you? We've been in your back pocket since day one, Joe. We are surrounded by insanity. We're surrounded by dementia. We're surrounded by people who claim to believe in science, but don't. And I'll give you the basic test. Here's the litmus test. A woman's carrying a baby. Not tissue. No, it's a fetus. Excuse me. She's carrying a baby. And these very same people, almost to a man and a woman, believe that if you abort that baby right up to the last second, it's just a choice. It's not a human being. Now, if you believe that, and you promote that, and you insist that everybody fund it, and that every healthcare system, even if you're nuns, uh, support it, then you don't believe in science, and you don't believe in humanity. And yet this is a a top principle of the Democrat Party. They're not following science. They never follow science. They never follow reason. They're ideologues. Right to the end. Go ahead. Communities, the communities that have the lowest vaccination rates did seem to vote for President Trump. Okay, but what I'm asking you is if information related to whether or not the former president got credit is leading people not to get vaccinated, or is it information like... Now it's you, you jerk. You propagandists. You and that dummy you work for and the dummy he chose as his running mate. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's the cackle. Or Biden, he stares at you, he sort of... He cringes up his face and stares at you, and all the liver spots are popping out. You notice that, Mr. Producer? He's a mess, this guy. He's an absolute mess. Come on, man, come on. He's an idiot when he was a young man. What do you expect? Go ahead. Vaccines and it causing fertility. Ah, shut up. Now let's go to CNN. Dana Bash. Dana Bash, one of the Corrupt mouthpieces for the Constipated News Network. Now, ladies and gentlemen, here's the truth. CNN is dying. It has no significant ratings. Not any of their programs. But it's owned by AT&T. AT&T has so much money, it doesn't matter. They'll keep pumping money into this operation. And so, CNN is dead. And isn't it amazing they don't fire any of their hosts, they don't fire any of the reporters... Jeff Motherzucker, he's still there. They don't fire him. It's a propaganda outfit. That's all. But they're so angry over there. They're so obsessed. Everything is Fox's fault. Fox. People are dying because of Fox. Fox is dying. Fox. Fox is this tiny little operation compared to all the rest. On a big night, maybe the highest rate is host. I'll get three and a half million, three million viewers. We're a nation of 330 million people. So that's less than 1% of the population. Yet it's the biggest, and I'm certainly supporting it, it's the biggest cable news channel in America. But the rest of the media want to get rid of it. 
Because why? Because they are American Marxists. That's what. Mark, how dare you? Can you prove it? Yes. Read the book. Nonetheless, Dana Bash, a lightweight, absolute lightweight. She wants to hold Fox responsible. Let's go to cut 17. Go. President Biden did accuse social media platforms of killing people. Do you think conservative media like Fox News are doing the same? Are they killing people, too, with rhetoric now, like now you just is heard? This, is this person a serious person or an idiot? Did she get her job through nepotism, through who she knew? Or did she get the job on the merits? Well, you can't say there's merits there. So is Fox News killing people? Hey, is Fox News killing people? Please tell us, is Fox News killing people? And she'll get a bonus. Maybe she'll get a Polk Award. I don't even know what a Polk Award is. Maybe, maybe, who knows? But they'll pat her on the back in the media community. You know, Dana, that was a good one. There's Fox killing people. <laughs> All right, go ahead. Well, then I think all of us, including the media, including individuals, health professionals, have a responsibility to share the truth about health. As and what is the truth, genius, Mr. Surgeon General? What is the truth? What are the facts? What's the science? Just because he's wearing the uniform of, a, of an Air Force pilot or whatever the hell that is they're wearing doesn't mean a damn thing. Then there's Jim Acosta. Jim Acosta is a well-known lowlife, reprobate, miscreant. And he's still on CNN, so that shows you. This guy is like the uh, captain of the Titanic. You know, he hangs on uh, while the women... He, he jumps into the first uh, life raft while the women and children go under, Mr. Bedouin. That's the kind of mentality this guy has. And he's contributed mightily to the discussion in America, to facts in America. He's a spokes idiot for the Democrat Party. That's what Jim Acosta is. Cut 18, go. And it's not just social media, though. Uh, the most watched television show on Fox News right now is uh, outright uh, hostile to the vaccine. And no, this... in Tucker's defense, he's not hostile to vaccines. He's hostile to authoritarianism that compels people to be vaccinated. Just shows you what a schmuck you are, Jim. It's not hostile to vaccines. He said it over and over and over again. Go ahead. Do you think we could have eradicated polio or defeated the measles uh, if you had uh, Fox News night after night? Uh, Do you think we could have eradicated polio or gotten rid of the measles if the federal government were in charge of both of those efforts? No, the answer is no. Dr. Fauci, do you think we could have gotten rid of the measles or had a vaccine for polio if... You were in charge of the operation? No, you'd all be walking around wearing masks. Everybody getting polio. Goggles, boots, baseball caps, raincoats. Oh, now we're protected. Fauci's a throwback. He's not on the cutting edge of anything. Cutting edge of anything. Then they bring on Rob Davidson. Who's Rob Davidson? Nobody knows. But they have a narrative. They have a scenario. He's an ER doctor. Now, there's only one ER doctor in the whole country. Did you know that? With one opinion. That's it. No. He's cherry-picked because he is a useful idiot. Cut 19. More CNN. This is all CNN. Go. But explain to us why you said what you did. uh, That you don't blame your patients. You blame Fox. 
So this is Brianna Kyler, who is, uh, I don't know, she's an idiot. You have to be an idiot to work at this network. Anyway, what did the ER doctors say? Go ahead. I've seen uh, several COVID patients now every shift for the past week, and, and every single one of them has been unvaccinated. When I see other patients, you know, I offer them the vaccine. I try to talk to them about the vaccine. And so many of them are just shutting down the conversation. I had one patient tell me they're afraid of the ingredients in the vaccine. And I asked, well, which ingredients? And they said, well, I don't really know what's in it. And, you know, we're in a highly Republican area, about 40 percent vaccination rate, about 70 percent voted. For so it must be all Republicans who said no. You know, you can be in a highly Republican area and there's still going to be a lot of Democrats. here. So there's the assumption. This is a, a medical scientist. He's in the E.R., you see. And he's in a highly Republican area. So these must be Republicans who are saying these things. Oh, yes, yes, yes. And it must be Fox's fault. Listen to this guy's logic. I wouldn't want him giving me the vaccine. That's for sure. But it's Brianna Kyler. Why did you bring him on, Brianna? May I call you Brianna? I could call you a birthing person, but I am calling you Brianna Kyler. Or is it Kyla Brianna? Two first names. Nonetheless, Brianna, nobody knows who you are, and there's a good reason. Now, let me ask you a question, Brianna. Yes. Do you know what's in the vaccine? I'm just curious. I don't. Do you, Brianna? No, but I'm following the sign. No, you're not, Brianna. You're not wearing a mask on TV, are you? Wear a mask indoors. Are you wearing a mask? No, you're not wearing a mask. Why not? Now, you've been vaccinated, right, Brianna? Yes, I have. Well... Should you wear a mask indoors, Brianna, if you've been vaccinated? Then what's the point of a vaccination? Brianna, do you know how to do your job? Do you know how to ask a question? There you have a guy you cherry-picked from an ER, emergency room. Like there aren't, there's only one in the whole country, one doctor in one emergency room. Rob Davidson, who's a nobody. And why didn't you ask Rob Davidson? If you believe in the science, doctor, and you are an ER doctor, correct? Yes. After you get vaccinated, do you think you should wear a mask? Where's the science on that, doctor? But you didn't. Because you're an idiot. I'll be right back. Los Angeles County Sheriff will not enforce the mask mandate. He says it's not backed by science. This is the mandate. Whether you've had the virus or not, whether you've been vaccinated or not, when you are indoors, you are to wear a mask. What kind of crap is this? He says it's not backed by the science. He's right. But CNN's all for it, folks. This is pushback. That's good. Canceled Keystone Pipeline Company suing U.S. for $15 billion, just the news. The parent company of the Keystone Pipeline. Exactly. Push back. Don't take this lying down. Push back. The uh, federal government, the FBI, and the federal prosecutors are on the, on the case, ladies and gentlemen. A Florida man who breached the Senate chamber on January 6th was sentenced to eight months behind bars on Monday. The first punishment handed to a Capitol rioter for a felony plea. Paul Ira Hodgkins, 38, apologized to the court, saying he was ashamed of his actions and had gotten caught up in the moment when he joined the mob at the Capitol. Prosecutors had asked... That he served 18 months, arguing in a recent filing, Hodgkins, like each writer, contributed the collective threat to democracy. 
There was no threat to democracy. It was not an insurrection. The prosecutors for the Democrat Party, the prosecutors for the Biden administration are totally out of control. Meanwhile, where are all the prosecutions of Antifa? Again, out in L.A. attacking the cops. Where are all the prosecutions of Black Lives Matter for all the damage that they have done? Is there one? Are there any? Levin, the great one. The great one, Mark Levin. Dial in now. 877-381-3811. When you really look back at what Donald Trump did in his short four years against every conceivable force in Washington, D.C., whether the media or the Democrats in Congress or prosecutors and the various law enforcement, intelligence agencies trying to take him out. It really was a spectacular presidency. And this is what the idiots say. Oh, I don't like the way he tweets. This is what they don't get. He was locking down that border like no president before him. The economy, first the virus, but he was bringing the economy back. He was checking the communist Chinese. He was checking Putin. He almost brought the Iranian regime down, and it would have been brought down had he been re-elected, or was, many think. There's so many things. So many things. And then you look at the other party and their ideology. Anti-American, anti-constitution, anti-separation of powers, anti-independence of the courts anti-real unity, anti-capitalism. It's just, it's just incredible when you really think about these things. And uh, we were very fortunate to have Donald Trump for four years, and we should have had him for eight. And I'm all for all these audits. Why are the Democrats so worried about them? Why do the media pretend they don't exist? Why shouldn't there be audits? They spent years chasing Russia collusion. They knew it was a lie. They were part of the conspiracy. This is why Biden and his party keep attacking the voting system, keep attacking Republican states, because they want to completely destroy the voting system and claim that they are doing it on behalf of minorities, of course, because the Democrat Party abuses and uses minorities all the time. That's why the border is a disaster. The people are suffering down there. And where are the media? They could care less. Just remember this, as I point out in the book. Karl Marx was a journalist. That was his profession. That was his profession. And as the author wrote about him in 2008, that many modern-day reporters do pretty much exactly what Karl Marx did. Takes the news and refines it or modifies it to accommodate his ideological you know, goals and objectives. Well, that's what happens today. This from Time Magazine, citing The Guardian, which is as close to a commie newspaper as you can get. Governments used spyware to surveil journalists and activists. Here's why revelations about Pegasus are shaking up the world. 
Activist groups are calling on governments to step in to regulate the sale of spyware after data showing hundreds of journalists, activists, dissidents, and lawyers around the world likely had their phones targeted by invasive surveillance software was leaked to major news outlets. Quote, the industry has shown that it is incapable of policing itself while governments, including democratic states, are hiding behind national security to whitewash these surveillance abuses, said the Digital Rights Group, Access Now. I didn't know there was a digital rights group. I guess there's one for everything. We need regulation, transparency, and accountability now. Here's the thing. You need men and women of virtue. We don't have that at the White House. We don't have that at the top ranks of the media. We don't have men and women of virtue. And so they won't mind these police state surveillance and spying tactics as long as they think it's being done to their quote-unquote enemies, us. When we broke the story here in March of 2017, really just collected the stories that were out there and put all all of it together and connected the dots, that Trump world had been spied on, I came under personal vicious attack. Now I can handle it. We fought back. But the media were part of it. Just like big tech is part of it now. The media were part of it. Why do you think Biden feels so cocky about trying to enlist these oligarchs to do his dirty work for him? Because they're happy to do his dirty work for him. Because he's used to these oligarchs and more doing his dirty work for him. Whether it's his party in Congress, his party in the media, his party in academia, his party in big tech, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Among the 37 confirmed victims are well-known public figures such as Haitis Kenzig. Who the hell is that? The fiancé of murdered uh, Saudi journalist Kamala Khashoggi. And Raula Khalaf, the editor of the Financial Times newspaper, they submitted their phones for forensic analysis to confirm infection. But the numbers of potential victims is far higher. More than 50,000 phone numbers were included on the leaked list. They include Indian opposition leader Rahul Gandhi. No offense, is everybody in India named Gandhi, Mr. Producer? I just wonder. Is it like Smith in the United States? Well, Smith, there's not that many in the United States anywhere, but you get my point. Fatima Mavlamli, an Azerbaijani activist who had intimate photos of herself leaked online in 2019. Pegasus infects a target's phone and can access all data, as well as remotely activate the cameras and microphone. The company says it only sells its software to vetted governments and intelligence agencies, but the targets identified in the leaked data set suggest its services are being used by authoritarian states. Well, what about an authoritarian party like the American Democrat Party? Or an authoritarian corrupt media like the American media? What about that? I used to trust our government in ways that I certainly do not trust it anymore given what Donald Trump went through, given the unequal access and application of justice via Black Lives Matter, which is celebrated, which has its initials painted on our streets, which is taught in our schools, even though it's headed by Marxists, preaches violence and overthrowing the government. Can you imagine? And January 6th, which is falsely said to have been an insurrection. Nobody's been charged with an insurrection because it wasn't an insurrection. It doesn't matter. 
the media push what the media want to push. You know, people like Jeremy Barr. He looks like a pimpled-faced pervert, but ladies and gentlemen, I, I have to keep saying, I don't believe he is a pervert. I would never make an allegation like that, period. No way, no way. At least 180 journalists around the world were among those selected for targeting, according to the Guardian newspaper. And you hear squat from most of the American media. Oh, well, so be it. One of them was Swati uh, whatever, an Indian investigator journalist who in 2016 published an expose of the inner workings of the ruling party's online disinformation operation. How come we don't have, Mr. Producer, America, how come we don't have media, media in America, looking at the inner workings of our ruling party, the Democrat Party? Have you noticed that, Mr. Producer? That's our ruling party, whether they're in or out of party, uh, in or out of power. Why don't we have investigative reporters looking into that inner workings? Because they're corrupt, that's why, because they know the inner workings and they're part of it. That's why. They're part of it. The potential scale of these software's reach reveals for the first time the extent to which governments around the world are making use of the new private market for spyware. You know, if we had a real president who believed in our principles, our liberty, the president would get up and say, we're doing an investigation to make sure that my administration and prior administrations haven't done this. But Joe Biden will never say that because he looks at this and says, wow, maybe we can use this stuff. You never know. I'll be right back. Mark going to pull up something here. Uh, here we are. I want you to listen to a little bit of this. I think you'll enjoy it. How much time do we have, Mr. Producer? Let us go from Life, Liberty, and Levin last night on Fox. I want to thank Pete Hegseth. He is a tremendous person. Just a great guy. Cut 20, go! In two, page 251, you're talking about uh, Washington uh, reading Payne's words at the Battle of Trenton. And part of what you say is our challenge today, think, speaking of 1776, is just as crucial and urgent and in many ways more complicated. We did not ask for this confrontation, but it is here. And in truth, like the early days of the Revolutionary War, we are losing. Most of the country has been caught flat-footed and remains unengaged. This book feels like your attempt to get people unflat-footed and leaning forward. How do they do that? You know, Pete, first of all, the problem is I sound self-serving when I tell people, please read the book. So if you buy the book, just pass it to somebody else and have them pass or it buy to it. somebody else. It or go to the library or something like that. Because as you know, there's a lot in the book. And it's not intended to overwhelm. It's intended to explain. Mm -hmm. How do we do that? First of all, whether it's a political operation or a military operation or a business plan or anything else, we need to know who our enemy is. Now, I don't say political adversary. I don't say opponents. These are people who want to take down this country, and they are well along the way. 
And we see this, it's not just critical race theory, it's so many other aspects of our institutions, our traditions are under attack, things that you would never believed in your lifetime you would hear or see are in executive orders, are being pushed in these massive omnibus bills that Congress is pushing. You turn on the television, you hear this propaganda where the media is basically the mouthpiece for these various movements. I said, I gotta look into this. You know, I've written a lot of books and this doesn't smell right. Uh, I used to call this statism, mm -hmm. people called it progressivism. The truth is it's Marxism. These are hybrid forms of Marxism. These are Americanized forms of Marxism tailored to our country, tailored to our system. So it's not pure Marxism in every technical sense, but it's Marxism. Black Lives Matter is a perfect example. Yeah. These are Marxists. They say they're Marxists, that founded it. You read their original mission statement, it, it is, they're filled with Marxist uh, arguments. It's anti-American, it's anti-Semitic, it is uh, anti-capitalism. It's like the so-called Green New Deal. It's not a Green New Deal or climate change, which used to be, you know, climate cooling, climate warming, climate change. They finally found a phrase that they feel they can use to, uh, to mask Sufficiently what they're doing. Sufficiently ambiguous exactly. everything. This is an anti-capitalist degrowth movement, which is exactly why the first act that President Biden took was to shut down an oil pipeline, which wasn't causing pollution or anything else. Mm -hmm. So of course they're gonna attack energy. Energy is what provides and serves the engine of our economic system. It makes everything else possible in this country. You control energy, you control the so-called environment, you control the budget, you control the constitutional system, you control everything. You know what's fascinating, folks? I've done about 30, maybe 40 interviews already when you count television and radio and podcasting. And we have some really smart hosts on TV and radio. Really great hosts. Almost all of them read much of the book because they got an early copy. Screw up here and there where they didn't, uh, but the book was sent. And uh, every single one of them, before I go on the air, say this book is life-changing. This book is, is different than all the others. It reminds them of liberty and tyranny, and some of them say it's more important than liberty and tyranny. I happen to say that myself, given the time we're in right now. And all of them say they've learned a tremendous amount from this. Now, these are people who spend their days and nights studying these issues, gathering the information. And I've told them off the air, as I tell you on the air, and I've told them on the air. This is a mission-oriented book. There's nothing about me in the book. The only thing about me and my family in the book is on the last page, a picture of my beloved Barney, who I dedicate the book to. Because I miss that little guy every day. But the fact is, there's, there's so much in the book. And they've all said this too. You know, we only have a certain amount of time, but we can't really project the import and the substance of this book properly in the time we have. But of course, that's what we have to do. And so the best thing I can do, as I've had for, for some time now, and I do in these interviews for people who may not have heard me or may not be familiar with it, is to try and give people a, a taste, a flavor for what's here so they go ahead and they read it. Now, there are people, even though the book's 40% off, it's under $17 on Amazon right now. And that'll change. It'll go up. There's some people out there who, don't, who can't afford it or just not really willing to put the money on. I get it. 
But if you're one of those people who can and you're mission-oriented, I just feel it's important to get this book to as many people as we possibly can. It's important to make sure our libraries are carrying it. It's important to make sure the retailers who sell books don't run out of it. Because now's the time. And the word, it's not even my word. It's my assembly of the arguments, the assembly of the words. Those of you who've read any of my other books, those of you who listen to this program religiously, you understand what I'm talking about. But there's tens of millions of people who don't, who are not inside our orbit, who, who do not listen to this program or listen to any talk radio. So I'm hoping you'll help us reach them, but you're going to learn a tremendous amount along the way, and you're going to arm yourself with strategies and tactics. That's the best I can do. Ladies and gentlemen, we salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel. And by the way, if you want to get one of the few remaining signed copies, go to premiercollectibles.com slash marksman.